I'm Aysan, and this is The Review, after City conspired to lose their third Premier League game in a row, this time to Leicester at the King Power Stadium to make this a festive season football hat-trick of shite. Uh, joining me to pick through the rubble, I've got a pretty big team today. Uh, morning, Lloyd. Morning, mate. Morning, Sam. Good morning. Morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm definitely better than I was last night. Obviously, uh, I was in a I was in a bad way last night in in many respects, not just the alcohol, but um, the football and everything. But kind of woke up feeling a little bit better this morning, so that's something at least. Um, listen, before we talk about City Leicester, very quickly, opening question: uh, Should Spurs be considered title challengers, and does Pochettino deserve a bit more credit uh, than Klopp and Pep for the season so far? Uh, Sam, I'm going to go straight to you for this one. Right, uh, I'd say yes and yes. I mean, I I don't think they will win it. Um, they've kind of got a history of not, so fine. But you've you've got to consider them title challengers now. Um, they've definitely got the momentum. You know, as as we're talking now, they're they're above City and they've 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 got momentum and City haven't. And they've got good players, a good manager, a good plan. And they know what they're doing. And and as for giving him credit, perhaps more than. Uh, Klopp and Guardiola and obviously those two it's not just all about money obviously because you know look at other clubs who have spent a lot of money and they're not in the title race but if you look at what Pochettino's done and you know these days it's unthinkable for a club let alone a title challenger not to buy anybody in the summer um, and and also just the way he's brought through the players for you know very little sums or or through the academy and he's he's got them playing good football and you know, not everybody's happy there. That Danny Rose interview last summer about the wages and stuff—that was a common feeling among the squad. And you know, to to go to United briefly, there there was a squad under Mourinho that was un, unhappy. But Pochettino's managed to minimise any unhappiness within his squad. Maybe any complaints he's had himself, and he's just got on with it. So yeah, I think he's he's due an immense amount of credit. Even though I think what Guardiola done it in particular is fantastic, obviously because. The football's amazing. It's the best we've seen in the Premier League in the 100 points. And, you know, Klopp's doing a good job at Liverpool as well. Mm. Um, Lloyd, do you think that... <clears throat> do you think that because of how little um, Pochettino has spent, it's elevating the his achievement? or Because I, I kind of see this two ways. On the one hand, you can look at it and go, well, he hasn't spent very much. But on the other hand, you can look at it and go... He's got some incredible players there. So where do you where do you kind of fall on in that argument? Do you feel that he's working miracles with the squad he's got, or do you think that the squad he's got is actually at a really high level? The squad's at a really high level, but I think he's worked miracles to get it to that level. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, it does. I mean, if you if you look at the net spend figures, you know they're they're way down on everybody else. But it's also that he's managed to turn people like Ali um, into top like top Premier League players um, and he's managed to you know there's countless he's bringing Winks through quite nicely Kyle Walker-Peters gets three assists yesterday you know I don't think Trippier is an elite right back but he's come on loads under Poch um, even people like Ben Davies taken him from from Swansea and turned him into like a you know a very solid Premier League left back option uh, you know there's examples all across the pitch and obviously Kane um, being the prime one has developed into you know arguably the best centre-forward in Europe. So I think he deserves an immense amount of credit. I think the way that he ties it in with, with youth, youth players is very impressive. And as Sam said, he hasn't, signed, he, didn't, he hasn't signed anyone. And whilst Lucas this season has kind of been like a new signing for them because he didn't really play much last season, um, they've just, I think I, I, they still miss one guy, I would say, but what he's managed to do with that, with that team is incredible. And obviously the way his I think it's like periodization and conditioning works is that Spurs have the best record over the Christmas period in the last three years in the Premier League. So he gets them to hit at the right time. They often end up dipping towards the very end of the season, but this is normally where they come strong. So they're definitely at this stage in, in the title race. Steve, can they win it? Yeah, I, I wrote about this last week because uh, I found it baffling that there were six points of drifting yet. Just no one was mentioning them. Mm. Uh, and the only logic I could come to was the fact that there was two amazing teams above them who were winning week in, week out. Just and so sure. it would be, be impossible to, you know, peg both of those clubs back. But now there's one. 
Um, and so, yeah, they can easily go on to win it. Um, I, I'm just going back to a question you posed to Lloyd, I would say perhaps, I mean, I'm not undermining in any way, shape or form what Pochettino has done. It's an incredible job. But perhaps it's actually been made somewhat manageable or easier precisely because of the kind of restrictions put in place there because it, it forges a collective you know, it's it's almost kind of um, in a similar vein to Burnley and what Sean Dyche did last last year with that kind of you know slim squad of players who were all very much together. But of course, with Spurs, you're talking about an upgrade of kind of you know fifty, sixty percent in terms of quality throughout the squad. Yeah. So I think that can also you know it possibly could be viewed as a positive rather than a negative. Um, and I don't want to be one of those people who says you know oh well. You know what? What about if he's given money? He, he he hasn't proven himself in that regard. I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job then too, but certainly he has proven himself to be a manager who can get the very very best out of not limited resources but limited numbers. Yep. Yeah, no spot on. Um, I think for me the the one kind of I mean I don't want to call it a caveat. Obviously Pochettino's a top manager. I think that. I think the question about whether they can win the title, whether City can win the title or whether Liverpool can hold on is a little bit, you know, we're looking in a crystal ball and I think anything could happen. So I don't really want to answer that. But I think for Pochettino and a little bit for Klopp as well, I think they're both very lucky. And I think the reason that they're lucky is because they've both not, they've both ended up with massive goal scorers who they didn't necessarily, like if you look at, if you look at Harry Kane, he's kind of come through, come through their academy or whatever it is, but he was out on loan, he's come back and suddenly, well, not suddenly, but over the last four or five years, he's developed into one of the best number nines in the world. They didn't have to buy him. His goals underpin everything that um, that Spurs do. I think similarly over at Liverpool, I think you take Salah out of that team and they're just not the same because he underpins everything that they do with goals. And I think that the fact that both of those managers have, you know, through scouting or through player development have ended up with these with these huge goal scorers is a is a big thing um and not to take away from the other work that they do but in terms of the title itself i think that's that's an absolutely key thing um to have the kind of the world class goal scorer um yeah the other so the other nod to spurs as well has got to be they've had the new stadium trouble this season and they and they've still managed to get to this position i think they've played three less home games than everybody else and now they're facing you know the opportunity to play potentially more games in the run-up to what could be a title run for them in their brand new stadium it could could galvanize them yeah no absolutely absolutely um in many respects having those extra three home games gives them a pretty big advantage in the uh in the second half of the season um yeah, I guess we'll see. It's going to be it's going to be a fascinating uh, second half of the season. Now that's for that's for damn sure. On, on a on an unrelated note, um, how hungover is Lloyd? <laughs> I'm not. No, no. You're not. No, I'm not. I've done pods in way worse states. I can tell you. So. You, you sound out how I feel. Do, um, do I sound like Liam? Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely holding it together, man. I'm definitely, definitely holding it together, but it's a little bit of a struggle. Um, right, let's talk about Leicester and and, and Manchester City. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to start with you as the kind of neutral, right? Um, looking at the lineup with the kind of the discussion about how Stones had performed against Palace, was the lineup more or less what you thought he'd do going into the game? Yeah, pretty much, um, and it goes to show that for all the times, even on you know on Saturday when he 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 didn't make a big deal about it in the press conference, he he's not blind to the issues, is he? So Walker was straight out, and he wasn't going to play Stones there again. So yeah, um, and I didn't I didn't really think you know with Fernandinho being out, fair enough. Um, there there was nothing nothing much else he could have done in terms of that midfield, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, Steve. What about for you? Is that were you were you happy just in general? Very quickly, when you saw that lineup, did you go, okay, we could resume normal service here? Um, absolutely, I did. Yeah, it was a, a strong lineup. Probably, 
to a large extent, a reflection on what happened against Palace. Yep. And perhaps if it was, if it, if it had been a routine win against Palace, then maybe it'd been a different lineup against Leicester. But once that defeat occurred, um, and you know the problems that took place, you know, as some alluded to there with Walker and and Stones, um, yeah, the kind of lineup was unsurprising and encouraging. In terms of uh, Lloyd, I'm going to fire over to you. I, I want you to talk to me about the performance up until our first goal and then our goal itself. Like, just in general, how did you feel we were reacting to the setback at Palace in that opening period? Um, so this might be a bit of a hot take, but I I was frustrated with how we started the game. I thought we weren't moving it quick enough. There wasn't nearly enough interchanging and movement and quick passes being played. We were relying... F- far too often on this kind of 60-yard ping crossfield ball, which is great and it works really well at times. But in recent weeks, it's almost become the de facto thing. Delft particularly, I've counted at least 15 times yesterday that he did it. Um, mm. And lo and behold, the first time we try and actually played kind of in between the lines and got someone on the ball in a central area, we scored the goal. So I was quite frustrated. I thought, again, we looked comfortable uh, Lesser didn't really have anything, but it was kind of sterile possession, um, which is what it's been in recent weeks for me. Um, so I was actually quite frustrated until obviously we got the goal. I thought that might trigger us to play a bit more intuitively and with De Bruyne back in to try and do some of those one-twos and drag people out of positions, which allows the likes of Sterling and Sonny to get in behind. But, uh, See, I think that's harsh because I think we were building slowly... I think mm. for, for me, and it'd be interesting to see what the other two think as well, but for me, I felt like we were, obviously we'd come off the back of a, a poor defeat and there was going to be a little bit of, the football wasn't great against Palace. I think that's the thing. We really moved the ball really slowly. So I thought that actually, as that kind of opening 10 minutes progresses, I feel I felt as though the tempo was slowly lifting a little bit. I felt as though we were, players were slowly beginning to find that, little bit faster rhythm and I think that the what you say about the goal and moving getting the ball into the central area and the kind of the quick turn around the corner and all that sort of stuff I mean it's kind of we build to the goal for me the goal comes not out of nowhere it kind of comes after City have spent 10 minutes kind of probing in in many respects in the way that I think that when we're at our best, we can often do for the first five or 10 minutes of, of a game, just kind of feel the opposition out and probe before we start going in for the kill. Um, Sam, did you kind of see it like that? Which side do you fall on where I am or where Lloyd is? Uh, well, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite the same. And you and Lloyd's right in terms of the, the crossfield passes. But yeah, normally when those crossfield passes land, there's, you know, somebody gets on the ball and there's a quick interchange, but, you know, without David Silva on the left-hand side particularly. And I still think De Bruyne... You know, he was he was misplaced in a couple of passes. The radar isn't quite back yet, you know, and that's completely normal given he's been out for about three months with different knee injuries. Um, so I think that's that's the problem with that. So in terms of, I, I agree in that the ball wasn't moved quickly enough. But I, I I do think there are there are good reasons for that. And I know, I know we're skipping ahead a bit now, but as soon as David Silva came on at the end, you could that link up with Sane was back straight away. You know, Sane's good enough in his own right, but how many times in the first half? Was he just trying to go from a standing position and having to beat two or three men? Because normally he can just pass it inside to David Silva and run around the back. And it sounds easy, but it happens all the time. Without David Silva there, he can't do that. So when, And same with Sterling and, and De Bruyne a bit, really. Whenever the ball goes out wide to one of them, there's no combination play once it gets there. They've just got it. And then that kind of inevitably leads to a cross because there's, there's nothing else on. So, And, I mean, I'm not certain that it's because... David Silva wasn't there, but I think it's it's the most obvious standout reason. They I can't imagine that Pep's told them to start putting the ball in the box all the time, and I can't imagine mm. they're taking it upon themselves or just forgotten all their combinations. It it just must be there, there's obviously something missing, and I think to me the most obvious thing is the fact that you know David Silva's not there and De Bruyne is only just coming back. So to be I, fair, to be go. fair though, Sam, I mean we we have missed. Both Silver and De Bruyne earlier in the season, yeah, yeah, and we have played with the right tempo, and those attacking players have managed to unlock 
low block. No, defenses. they have, but then uh, but I think like what I was saying last night in terms of the the article I wrote, the video I did, yeah, it's I, 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 you know Fernandinho comes into that as well because you know if mm. City didn't get through, then Fernandinho would just go and win the ball back, you know, particularly at home, but obviously away it would be very important. He'd either win the ball back or make a foul, but normally he'd win it back fairly and City would go again. But now if City aren't combining well enough, um, and maybe it's the fact that Jesus has been out of form if we're going back a few weeks, um, and the fact that now Aguero's been out and, and now he's, I don't know, maybe not quite sharp in front of the goal, um, the, ball, the ball's just coming back. And then if the, the opposition are breaking... They can get past Stones if he's DM, or they can get past Gundogan, and then that's mm. where the problems are because the defence are being more and more exposed. They're having more work to do, and it goes back to this whole thing about people saying, you know, City haven't got a good defence. But when it's when the whole thing's working, as Guardiola's explained earlier, you know, when it when when they are defending from the front and pressing and um, and keeping up the pressure that way and keeping the ball far away from their goal, then it's fine. But once those pieces start to come out of it. City do get a bit exposed, and as we know, obviously Walker's been in poor form. Dalv's not not been as good this season, or of, of late maybe, than he was last season, and that's where the problems are starting to show. So I, I do think it's all tied together um, yeah. with with um, you know Silver and De Bruyne being out and and Fernandinho not behind them because well, the Everton game when I saw the team without Silver and De Bruyne, I thought this would be this would be a big win. But at least Fernandinho was there because I, I wasn't sure if he'd play or not. I was away, but I wasn't sure if he'd play or not. And I thought yeah. I could see Everton getting a result here if Fernandinho doesn't. But when he did, I thought, oh, OK, they'll be fine. So I think if you just remove too many of those key pieces, it's just it's, it's all connected. And that's why I think that's the majority of the issue. OK, Steve, I want you to chime in on that. And then I want you to just talk to me about whether you feel that their equaliser comes a little bit too quickly um, or what? Like it again? Are they fortunate to get the equaliser as quickly as they get it, or is there something in the way that we react to our own goal that invites the goal from Leicester? If that question makes sense, it does. I, I yeah, I don't agree with the latter kind of um, hypothesis. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, it was basically just very unfortunate that we conceded so soon after after the opening goal because. For all of what Sam says, and I agree with every word, and I think that's a good dissection of, of you know, the kind of what led us to this point. Um, it could also be said that City start brightly usually in in games, and we usually go ahead, and that has been the case more than any other club across Europe, I think, this season, as in you know, getting an early opening goal. Yeah. And so, what would then kick in, regardless of who's on the pitch, is learned behaviour. Um, you know, they know that squad knows how to then build on an, on an early lead. Um, and in this instance, I was taken from us by, you know, a, a quick equaliser. Um, the nature of the equaliser annoyed me immensely. Was it a um, free kick? Uh, yeah, undoubtedly it was a free kick, but my, my ire is, is aimed more towards uh, Delph. I, I've I've defended Delph and, and you know, I, it's true to say that he's not playing to the standard he was last season, but you know, he's a midfielder playing out of position. But at the same time, balancing that out, he's played nearly 40 games now at left-back for City. And not to, not to mention day in, day out on a training pitch, learning that kind of role. So to lose his man as he did, um, I, I thought was pathetic. And, you know, not not to make a pun of it, but, you know, we're talking basics here. <laughs> but we really are, though, aren't we? To, for him, he, he clearly saw in the very edge of his periphery he saw Albrighton just make a little move inside. And so he gambled and went in, inside. You can't do that. You've got to know where your man is at all times in that situation. If a ball's been floated over from the other side of the pitch, you've got one man to mark and you mark him. And if he beats you in a challenge and if he gets a header in, so be it. But you know where he is. That's the basics. And he didn't. He, he was lost, basically. And that was annoying enough. But for it then to happen again... Like fifteen minutes later, it was unforgivable. So, for all this kind of dissection of, of where City are failing to be the kind of um, you know all dominant team that we have recently, I mean that is, of course, that is the biggest factor of all. But we come down to other things as well: individual mistakes like at Delft and just misfortune of conceding world 
will cast goals as well, which we seem to do more than other teams. Mm. Um, Lloyd, is there something in? I mean, I want you to I want you to touch upon both of those things. The the kind of firstly, do you want to defend Delph a little bit in the sense that I've seen a couple of people say, well, that cross really shouldn't come in, and maybe Edison should be plucking that cross out of the sky before it actually reaches Albright. And do you agree with either of those things, or is that wholly on Delph? No, I thought <clears throat> I thought Stones uh, wasn't nearly aggressive enough in in closing the cross down. Um, I think mm. that's kind of a something that's crept into general modern football that now crosses are kind of allowed to come in. Whereas you know, I remember growing up watching football, it was almost the fullback's main role was to always block crosses. Um, but no, I thought Stones should have done a lot better. But the, the, the thing with the with this and with Delph is that. That is just so not the first time we've seen that this season from him. And, you know, it happened about 10 minutes later, like almost a repeat situation with Chowdhury again at the back post where, you know, Edison made a save. It kind of trickled along the line um, and almost went in. So, no, um, Delph is culpable. And, you know, I, I can't really abscond Delph in the same way I can abscond um, Zinchenko because he's played, yeah, he's still not a left back, but, He's played so many more games there now. Um, you know, he's basically had a season and a half at it. He's an experienced player. Zinchenko's not, and it is just basics. And he's just gambling. And it's the same. And it's the same thing both times. If you watch, if you watch both of those movements, the Albrighton and the Chaudhry one. Um, you know, fair play. Albrighton's run is a really good into out run. But as a fullback, you've just got to cover that danger. Um, both times he takes a look, and then kind of then just proceeds to walk slowly. It's really, really bizarre. Um, and ultimately, ultimately, I think the other big problem is, you know, fullback errors have cost us big time in the last two games. Mm. Isn't the, doesn't Albrighton lose Delph in the League Cup as well? Or am I dreaming that? For their equaliser? No, I was trying to think last night. There, are, I can honestly... It was Zinchenko who played in the League Cup. Yeah, it was, yeah. My apologies. There have, there have honestly been about... I had a little reel in my head. There must have been about 10 times that we've seen this this season where Delph's been back post and someone's... Like, I, they might not have scored, but I can just... It was almost just like a flashing before my eyes. Thing. So what do we do? Like, I mean, before we kind of move on to, to the defence as a whole, specifically with Mendy being out for as long as he's out and Delph... Because it's, it's hard to classify whether this is poor form, whether this is a regression to the mean after overachievement last season in a position that isn't his position. And if it is a case of regression to the mean after a a season of overachievement, what does that mean for the next month or so whilst Mendy's out? Do we need to look at maybe putting Zinchenko there or finding a different solution? Or is there... it's what I'm trying to do is find the line between where you kind of go. This is a real problem now in terms of the title and and everything else, and where this is a case of going. No, Guardiola just needs to get on the training pitch, and his coaches need to talk to Delph and make sure that he's a little more switched on in certain moments of games. Maybe Sam, I'm going to throw that at you. What do you reckon? Well, in terms of the overperformance, if that is it, then City can get back to that. And I said yesterday the City haven't become a bad team overnight and I think you know a lot of it is because of the three players I mentioned and they should be coming back in the next few games and particularly in January City should be in a much healthier position but in terms of you know they, they've not become a bad team overnight but they won't become great again overnight just with those three being back because Guardiola needs to kind of affect the confidence now because the other side of that is you know Sane, Sterling and Aguero, Bernardo Silva there's enough quality on the pitch to, to to have done better than they've done in the last two games, particularly on Saturday, you know, home game against Crystal Palace. Regardless of those players being out, they should they still should be doing better. And Guardiola said, you know, there'll be doubts among them and he needs to work with them and get the best out of them again. So that's the biggest thing. But if, if that can happen, and do you talk about the next month in January without Mendy and maybe overperformance last season, but the City can get back to that. Because again, if they go back to defending on the front foot, moving the ball quicker, um, and they'll be more precise, more deadly with De Bruyne and Silva back. You've got Fernandinho there to protect the defence as well. You know, Dalf and Walker and Danilo or whoever, Zinchenko in certain home games like we saw last season maybe, they will get more protection than they're getting at the moment. So even if they're not improving massively individually, they will 
naturally get more protection because you know the whole unit will be working much better if these three players come back and Guardiola can just well get it into their heads that everything's fine. If they beat Southampton, then that will help. Obviously, the the big ones, Liverpool. Um, mm. But beyond Liverpool, you know, there's a lot of games in uh, in January, but they're they're not particularly difficult games. City have got a a good run of fixtures after Liverpool, so it, even without Mendy, I think you know City will be okay to to get by because with those three players coming back, I really do think it'll make a big difference. Yeah, it's not you know it's it's not definitely going to click when they're back because. Some you know some players need to take a bit more responsibility, but you know those players at the same time will be getting more chances to score goals and, and create goals because of the men behind them, and and the defenders will be getting more protection. So I I can see you know it's 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 certainly not the end of the world, but if there is any if there is any confidence problem, if there is any problem that I haven't or I haven't worked out or we haven't spotted in you know beyond those three being out or lacking in fitness, then. We'll see what happens, but I I can see it turning around, and I can see players like Dalf having more protection and not being as exposed or having the opportunities to be caught out like they were. Because I agree completely with the analysis of Dalf for those goals. He's looked over his shoulder and just decided that he wasn't going to go with him. There was no there was no one else in front of him to, to worry about either. It was odd. So yeah, uh, it maybe you know there are his own weaknesses, but City will be able to mask them better in the coming weeks. Do you think that um, Lloyd and Steve as well? Um, maybe I'll start with Steve this time. Um, do you think that fundamentally we saw what h- how much we can miss Fernandinho um, in the? I'm trying to. Is there a connection between the the lack of stability in the? I feel as though there's a mad five to ten minutes at the very end of the first half, right? And I felt as though a lot of that, in some way, is rooted to Fernandinho not being there, and it kind of causing panic almost in the same way that if you look at the goal that Townsend scores the way that we don't clear the ball from our own from our own penalty area there's a little bit of panic in that in the Palace game and that also for me felt like because it's kind of the first time maybe I've really seen it this season where you kind of look at it and you go do they really just poo themselves because Fernandinho isn't there uh, and does he just clean up so many of those messes that when he isn't there the rest of them don't really know what to do Absolutely, 100%. There was panic uh, in the penalty area against Palace, but particularly against Leicester, and it's a kind of panic I've not seen um, before the season. And, you know, you only have to put two and two together, really, um, yesterday to see that it was... We we were greatly missing Fernandinho um, in in all aspects of of kind of how we took on that game. Uh, He's fundamental to us. Um, I'm seeing in the kind of... uh, Post game analysis on kind of forums that a lot of people are now looking at the bigger picture again and saying that we should have strengthened in the season uh, in the summer, um, and of course we absolutely should have. It was clear to everyone. I would say as well, and this is, I, I don't know if, if if you guys will agree with me here, but um, people have been making a huge thing about Jorginho missing out on Jorginho. How that was you know immensely costly to City, and all it could be immensely costly to City. I would say, really, I mean, it would be a fantastic signing, Jorginho, and when we're at kind of home against Burnley or the like, you know, it's kind of that type of Gundogan, Jorginho kind of player as a base of our midfield. Fantastic, beautiful to watch. But over the course of a season, when you're fighting on fourth runs and you go into France and Italy and kind of, you know, um, Darlington away in the FA Cup and all the rest of it, all these different challenges that a season throws up, you need that Fernandinho-type player mm. at all times throughout the course of a season. You can't be doing without him for three weeks or four weeks or or what whatever. You can't. So I would have just wanted City to go out and just get a Gattuso-type, you know, just get a pit bull a Fernandinho type, someone who covers a lot of ground and niggles away and you know fouls here and there and you know all the rest of it. Um, we needed that energy desperately, and we missed that yesterday. I mean, frankly, if you'd have put Harry Arter in the centre of City's midfield yesterday, we would have played better. <laughs> we would have, though. You know what I mean? If we'd have had a Seri or yeah, yeah. Like a gay at, at, at kind of. Um, Everton, if we'd have had someone who covers a lot of ground and clean, as exactly in your words, they said, you know, cleans up a lot of mess, 
Um, we would have fared a lot better yesterday, and we have one player in our squad who can do that to a to a high level. Mm, I think you're spot on. I think that that certainly in terms of people talking about, well, you know, Big Aristide needs to to be held accountable because he didn't get Jorginho. With respect, I think if he'd assigned Jorginho, he'd be getting more stick now because I'm not sure that Jorginho is going to provide the defensive stability that we require um, at times. I, I, to be honest. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think that Guardiola will rethink the idea that Frankie de Jong or Jorginho are the types of player that he needs to um, succeed Fernandinho. I think that is so far from what you actually need to win the Premier League that, yeah, no, I, I think... I, I think that's bang on. And actually, I, I forgot to, to mention de Jong there. And um, the fact of, you know, people now saying, well, you know, we could get him in January or whatever. No, he's not the answer he's to our problems. He's definitely not the answer, man. Incredible player. I'd yeah. love him to join City. But in that role, and what specifically what we're talking about here, no. Yeah, I, I would agree. Lloyd, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree mostly. I think, you know, fundamentally, um, the big problem is that Steve says, <clears throat> we need someone in the Fernandinho mould. But there isn't. I, I, there are there are almost no players in the Fernandinho mould because Fernandinho is so unique. And I think if there was someone in the Fernandinho role at Fernandinho's level in Europe, then we'd probably we'd have probably bought him. So actually, for me, it's more probably an idea of looking at someone like Gay at um, Everton, who's clearly not as good, but is he Premier League level? Yes. Could he do a job against um, all the teams outside of the top six? Probably. Uh, would that solve a Fernandinho problem for us in that we wouldn't have to overplay him? Yeah, for me it would. Um, would it prevent kind of niggly injuries when we've played him back to back to back? Then yeah, also potentially. So I think that's probably the way I'd look at it at the moment. I just don't. I just don't see. Don't see anyone out there. Okay, and, and Dombele looks amazing, but. Still, he's not exactly that kind of pure six that basically puts out fires, which is what we need. So, um, yeah, I think that I think the big thing is that we feel certainly from the outside that Guardiola wants a more progressive. That that his idea for that number six position is that he wants a more progressive footballer. Um, I just feel that that's. I hope that he's kind of seeing the way that this season is unfolding. And I actually hope that his reluctance to play Gundogan in that position and something that me and Sam have talked about from in the transfer pods, the idea that he knows that he needs somebody with a level of physicality in that position suggests that really he knows that the player that will have to come in there first and foremost will have to be defensively the right player rather than first and foremost to be from an attacking point of view yeah. the, the right player um, look I want to push this forward and I want to talk about the second half and one thing in particular which Sam touched upon earlier uh, which I, I think is almost a bigger concern than uh, the kind of defensive instability and that's the way we attacked in the second half and Sam kind of touched upon it the kind of you know the the aimless long diagonal balls and the in-swinging crosses to Aguero and just the lack of real passing. The the thing that this team at its best in full flight is so good at was just not there. The passing, the movement, the tempo, any of that stuff wasn't really there against Palace. It wasn't almost like from the chip from the moment that Chelsea score, this lot go, we don't know how to play anymore. And since then, we haven't recovered our attacking play in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm going to posit a theory, which I'd like the three of you to, to, to think about. Could it be that teams have actually figured out how to defend against our number eights in the sense that Sam touched upon it earlier that, you know, Silva came on and suddenly there was a bit more of a connection between him and Sane. There definitely wasn't one between De Bruyne and Sterling on the right-hand side. But... Could it just be that teams are just defending those inside channels much better? So there is not the, those players are finding it harder and harder and harder to impact in the final third in the way that they were earlier. And this is a way to kind of go, should we be criticizing our own team or should we be looking at the opposition and going defensively, they're doing something right and Guardiola needs to find a new way to skin this cat. Um, 
Lloyd? I personally think it is more down to us and it's down to our level dropping and that is as, as okay. a team in terms of how we play but also individuals it's been you know as Stefan said this yesterday and it is it is true this kind of where we've got to now is like a clusterfuck of a number of different things from what Sam said about the three midfielders to breaking up stones on the port to you know Bernardo's level dropping um, Sterling's level dropping quite alarmingly in the last couple of games and it's just meant that that fluency has gone and we're kind of searching for I think we're searching for a little bit and we're not playing that same kind of very in, kind of small passes movement um, around the corner quick running behind that's kind of gone I do think you've got to say in the last two games Palace and Leicester have done I think really good defensive jobs on us they've been so deep so organised and they've had guys in Wan-Bissaka and Pereira who've both had absolute worldies against Sane um, one week after the other so I think it's a combination of the issues but for me I'd more look at us and I'd look at the fact that we've stopped playing and it's our issue because like you say in the last four games every time we've gone behind in all of the games that we've lost we've just completely folded and we haven't shown that resilience to come back out and kind of stamp our authority and our football in the game Stay. Yeah, I, I'm kind of more inclined to uh, to think what what Lloyd says there about you know to agree with Lloyd. I think it is our, our levels dropping. I, I'll take issue with Pereira having a worldie against Sane, and I think that comes to a real nub of the issue for me. In that, I think Sane, when he was taking on Pereira, as, as Sam said earlier, often it's from a standing start, and yet he still had the beating of him. Um, I think if he had support, if he had his usual support, David Silver, of course. Um, I know De Bruyne was on the pitch yesterday, but he kind of, in many ways, wasn't. That wasn't the Kevin De Bruyne that we usually see. So, you know, you can say that City were lacking De Bruyne and, and, and Silver yesterday, really. Um, and any team in the world is going to greatly miss those two. And so, with that lack of support, Sane was basically just left on his own, isolated so many times, so was Sterling. Um, Sterling is not having the best of times right now. Just only in, in the past couple of days, their games, but he has dipped. And we are not that team. We're not the team who just basically gets the ball, manoeuvres the ball out wide to a winger and says, right, can you kind of do what best you can and get a cross into the box? Because we've got one striker in there. We're not that team. And yet that's what we're becoming. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I agree with Lloyd, though. I, I think it is down to our levels. Um, I think that teams have kind of sussed out how we play, but I think they sussed us out last season too um, and, you know, had little quirks gone another way, for example, at home to Southampton or against Huddersfield and people would be saying the same thing last season as they are now. I think how City play, like Sam said earlier about kind of um, Sane and with, with David Silva being there, then he was able to get around, you know, the back and, and you know, Silva can quick interaction. I mean, that's a give and go. That is as basic as it gets in football. Mm. And it's no secret to the, that we do that a lot. And yet it works all the time. Um, when I watch City sometimes and the kind of movement that we make, it, you know, it's nothing complicated about it and yet it works. And I'm reminded of Peter Beardsley. Peter Beardsley, you knew what he was going to do. The fullback knew what he was going to do. You just you couldn't stop him doing it because he was so good at doing it. Um, and we're not doing that right now. We're not doing what we do so well. See, so, it's, it's interesting for me because you, you've effectively said, and I, I want to throw this over to Sam now because, uh, Sam, I think that Steve's kind of made my point here by saying that Sterling and Sane were, were, were effectively isolated for, for large parts of the second half in, in so much as, well, if they're isolated, then the eights aren't doing their jobs properly. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that's a fair thing? Yeah, pretty much. And I, again, it's, this is what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about Pochettino. And when people just say, oh, Guardiola is overrated because he's just got a load of money, like that obviously isn't the case. He's had a lot of money, but look at what he's got out of it. You know, this, the performances week in, week out, the 100 point season, that's all come from like incredibly detailed coaching and players knowing exactly what they're going to do. But then, when, like I said, when you take a couple of cogs out of it, and I know this is a bit repetitive now, but you, you can just see that individual ability isn't isn't enough. So you've still got Sane and Sterling there, and we could expect players of their quality to to be able to change games, but they haven't. And I, again, I think that's because 
those those link up plays that the difference in the coaching is not quite there because the look fine De Bruyne hasn't played there all season but still Silva's been there for most of the time so mm. with them being out of it yeah that you know it's the whole greater than the sum of their parts and yesterday maybe City were the sum of their parts overall and 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 that and that was the difference so yeah I I don't think that the number eight uh, are doing the job as well as they can do them obviously De Bruyne's because he's been injured and they don't expect him to be fully fit until February, which is completely normal. And it's, you know, when Gundogan came back, when Mendy came back, there was months they needed. You know, De Bruyne's period of time to get fully recovered is a bit shorter. But while while he is going through that, he's not going to be as good as the player that we remember. And and then, yeah, with Bernardo Silva, at his best, he can fill in, but he hasn't been at his best recently. So going back to what Steve's saying, going back to what you're saying, yeah, if the number eights aren't, at the top level, they're not going to be getting the best out of the the wingers who, yeah, they could beat a man on their own, but they're much better when they combine with somebody else. But yeah, there's been no one to combine with. Is there a, Lloyd, is there an issue with the, um, is there an issue with legs? And what I mean by legs is, is just, are we, is the press there? Is the hunger to win the ball back and score a goal? Like if we go back to our reaction to, opposition team scoring goals going all the way back to the goal that Chelsea score and since then I've kind of touched upon this idea that we seem to almost have forgotten how to attack is there a part of that that is connected to the way in which we're pressing is there a have we dropped physically by 10% maybe <clears throat> I don't think so I think it's it's all just linked into the mentality because <clears throat> first half against Chelsea I thought we pressed amazingly the way we were mm. winning the ball back and we were creating chances for ourselves by doing that. But then we stopped it in the second half because we were quite, we were clearly so deflated and we weren't going at it with the same intensity and the same mentality. I think it's, it's the same in all the other games. The, the, the pressing has kind of been there and then when we've gone behind, it's just kind of the, our general intensity, whether that's how we're passing the football or how we're trying to get it back, I think has just dropped. You know, clearly players are relatively fatigued at this point in the season but so so is everyone's players pressing for me is more it's more about mentality and approach Steve do you want to chime in on the on the pressing thing you're feeling my my idea I don't feel that I don't completely agree with Lloyd I, I feel as though there's a physical element to this and what I mean by the physical element is that maybe Bernardo's played too many minutes maybe Leroy suddenly has played too many minutes maybe Sterling has played too many minutes maybe that What's but whilst we feel that we've got a very deep squad, maybe you know I kind of feel like Mares been moved out a little bit. It's not really getting minutes, and you wonder whether that's because Pep's saying seen enough in training to go. He's not quite up there yet, so I need Sterling and Sane. Maybe I need to call upon them more than I should need to call upon them. Yeah, I think this is can be judged on an individual basis rather than a kind of a, an overall judgment, really. I think overall, our pressing yesterday was pretty good. Okay. Um, I, I've seen things contradicting that on Twitter, and, and that surprised me, actually. People saying that City looked leggy. I thought we looked leggy in terms of ideas when we, we had the ball at our feet. But out of possession, I thought our running was pretty kind of um, up to the usual standard, to be honest. But when you break it down to the individuals... That wasn't the case with Raheem. And I think with Raheem Sterling, we saw kind of a lot less kind of running than we usually do. Mm. Bernardo, um, I don't know what he started to do with regards to um, kind of throwing himself in, trying to anticipate a pass and, and slide. <laughs> Have you seen that? What's he's that always, about? He's always had that in him, though. I, I remember yeah. him doing it at Monaco as well. Yeah, but he, he was doing it all over the shop yesterday. It's like, stop it. You're embarrassing <laughs> yourself. But no... Um, yeah, we're seeing that from Bernardo as well, I think, but not from others. I don't think we're seeing it from Sane. Okay. Um, and, and I think as a, as a team ethic, our work rate yesterday was good, but I, I do acknowledge that I'm in the minority in thinking that. Okay. Um, look, if you kind of go through the team, is there a point in, Lloyd, I'll, I'll ask you first, is there a point in having conversations outside of the obvious Delft conversation that's already been had? Is there really much point in having a conversation about individuals or do we kind of within this podcast and within this conversation begin to accept that what's going on is a collective thing rather than 
an individual thing. So in a way, because I could be critical and say, well, Aguero, he's really got to do better with the couple of chances that he does have yesterday. Or even Leroy with the chance that he gets or, you know, but you see what I'm saying? That is there any point in being critical of the individuals when collectively it just feels like it's not working? Or with some of the big players, can we look at them and go, you need to step up in moments like this? Critical in what sense? That they're not good enough or they just that their form is, is not good enough? Well, I mean... Because clearly Aguero is good enough, but I think his... I thought he started the season really well, but actually he's only got, I think, eight Premier League goals this season. I know he's had a period out, but I've, I've just had, got a general feeling that he's he should have five more goals this season from some of the chances that he's had. And I think now is probably a really, I've chosen a really shite time to, to bring make this point, actually, given that he's only just come back into the team. Um, and he didn't have, you know, he should, he should bury that one from Sane in the first half. Um, but really aside from that he didn't have too much else um, but no I, I think apart from I, th- I think Walker and Delph are the two players you can have a genuine conversation and start to question maybe whether they're good enough I, I think both are but I think you know given that I think their performances this season mean that that can be a genuine question mm. um, Danilo yesterday I thought even though it was definitely the right decision to start him and I was really pleased that he started didn't do well but you know, again, hasn't a bit like De Bruyne hasn't played much. So, you know, I, I find it difficult to be too critical of him. People are saying, "Oh, well, he's not good enough." Well, you know, it's very, I think it's very difficult to say that when he's basically not really kicked a ball for for four months, and he has a just can't judge a player on one game like that either. Do you know what I mean? He's not coming into the most confident, free flowing City team. So. Exactly, and he was, you know, he was good enough when he played last season, and he was good enough to play apart from Madrid. So, I, I, I fail to see that he's not good enough. Um, I think it's just we're just in a really difficult kind of domino period where a couple of dominoes have fallen and a couple more it's just kind of gone bang 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 and we're we're basically in a situation now where you know we're six points off Liverpool seven off Spurs it could get really nasty if we don't sort it out but I think as we've before Palace Pep has the skills and the players to 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 haul it around it's just going to require a big effort and maybe a bit of luck going our way. Mm. Very quickly, um, Sam and Steve, with Aguero, do you think there's a little bit in, do we feel that because Jesus's form hasn't been great, there isn't that pressure on Aguero in the way that maybe there was last season? Do you think, I, I don't want to say, I'm not going to use the, the, the C word in terms of complacency, but just that extra pressure that there was for him to keep his place it doesn't really feel like it's there is there something in this or am i overanalyzing it sam i mean it might be i mean obviously i'm sure you know this as well but the pressure he gets from guardiola means that if he wasn't playing well then guardiola would just put david silver there or sterling (laughs) do do something else but you, you you might be right um it might be a subconscious thing as well because yeah for a large part of jesus's time at city Aguero was not necessarily guaranteed to start games, and you know he, he set out derbies, didn't he? When Jesus was fit, um, yeah. But without that, there was definitely a period this season where Aguero was the main man again. He was, he would always start the main game. So maybe subconsciously there was there was something there, and maybe that contributes a bit to what you were saying earlier about the the lack of pressing. Although I think that's probably a a combined thing for whatever reason. I don't know what that is, but I think that that goes back to earlier in the season as well, not just recently. So I need to kind of square that off with my theory about the three main midfielders being out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's possible. I mean, I don't think we can know for sure, but it's possible. He's, the thing is, he's been really good at home, hasn't he? He's got a really good record um, of scoring and providing goals at home. But away from home, there's that weird stat that he hasn't scored in England or he could, you know, he's only scored at Cardiff and Swansea away in the Premier League going back to l- middle of last season. Mm. which is okay. a, a strange one. Yeah. Steve, do you want to chime in on, on the Jesus putting pressure on Aguero thing? No, I, well, I, I think Sam summed up well there. And I would basically just kind of broaden it out and, and kind of feel a bit sorry for ourselves, really, because we, <laughs> we're blessed with two amazing centre-forwards. Um, you know, unquestionably, Jesus has, has got a, a very bright future ahead of him. 
and God knows what he's capable of achieving in a game. And Sergio's records, you know, stands for itself, uh, speaks for itself. But right now, they're just they're just misfiring, aren't they? And yeah. at the worst possible time as well. Um, I I didn't fancy him yesterday, Sergio. You know, those chances that fell to him. He had one genuine chance and, you know, two, maybe three half chances. And I didn't fancy him to score in any of them. And if you put Jesus in that situation, then my feelings wouldn't change. You know, I wouldn't fancy him to score. And they're our centre-forwards. And so it's not great right now. Um, I just hope that one of them kind of turns it around. His work work ethic, I thought, was um, greatly improved, Sergio, yesterday, and his hunger. Um, He just wasn't really... Getting the, the his usual service, um, and when he did, again, like I say, I just didn't fancy him to score. It's, yeah, I mean, I think to to kind of begin to bring this round to some type of positive, um, I think if you look at, I mean, if you write them down on a piece of paper, Mendy out, Fernandinho out, De Bruyne not fit, Aguero not fit, David Silva not fit. Walker viciously out of form. Um, Delph, bad regression to the mean or just bad dip in form. It feels like we need the big boys to come back and recover their form as soon as possible. And it feels like we're all, we've almost, we've ended up in a position where we've been so good that we've lost all these players and it hasn't really affected us up until the last few weeks. And so we've, just felt like we're that good regardless of who's out. And now we're beginning to see a little bit that, well, you know, if you're shorn of four, five, six of your best 11, it's going to affect at some point that those chickens are going to come home to roost. Um, Lloyd, well, we- I mean, we've, we've said, haven't we, uh, sorry to interrupt, but Go we've said many times over the last kind of 18 months that it's it's the template, you know, it's it's the blueprint that Pep has put down and you can kind of take a player out and bring a player in and those levels won't dip. Now, you know, we were correct to say that because the evidence was there before our eyes. City were winning, you know, week in, week out. But of course, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a limit to that. That only goes, that only rings true up to a certain point. Yeah. Uh, and now what we're seeing is where that point is. Lloyd? Do you want to jump in on this idea of the kind of the big players needing to come back and maybe our own expectations being clouded by how previously how good we were without the big players, whereas now we should probably begin to accept that too many cogs have been taken out of the machine, now big cogs. No, I, it's definitely true. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's what Sam's getting at. Um, and, you know, I think the, the, the positive is that they're now, they're pretty much all back, apart from Mendy, from the sounds of it. Um, so we should be okay. I think one of the interesting parallels is what you spoke about earlier about um, Kane and Salah being absolute goal machines. We've kind of missed, even though it's only they're they're both on twelve goals. Even though they're, you know, they're only a few ahead of our guys. It's it's such fine margins at the top that if we if we'd have had that that kind of that goal force that, that they've both had this season, I think it's yeah, it's such fine margins, but it would it would have made the difference. But you know, De Bruyne, as Sam said, it's going to take him a while, but he is back now. The more minutes he plays, the better he's going to get. Silver's back, and it's only a short injury, which should allow Bernardo to have you know regenerate, go back to the sidelines. Mares now needs to come in and prove. You know, I think Sterling needs to have a rest. Mares needs to come in and prove that he's a top player. Aguero, the same, needs to come in and, you know, get back amongst the goals. Um, so it is fine margins and that's we just need to we just need to react, put a big performance in against Southampton and then we need to, we'll talk about it in a minute, I'm sure, but I think we need to land a big punch on, on the Red Scouts. Well, let's, let's kind of talk about that now because I feel as though we've covered nearly everything that I wanted to cover. Mm. Just in terms of the title race, I've avoided it up until now because I don't want to have a... a a deep dissection of the title race because I just, I, I don't think in December you can really do that right now. Even with the, the points difference as it is, it kind of is what it is. I don't want to hear from you. Yes, we can or no, we can't. Just in general, what do we need to do in the next four weeks to make sure that 
it remains a race. Sam? Keep winning. Do we need to beat Liverpool? Is it it a must win? Um, No, it's a must not lose, I think. Okay. Because if it went to, like, say if City were to win on Sunday, uh, but then lose to Liverpool, it would go to, what, nine points? Uh, No, ten, ten. It's a lot, isn't it? That is a lot. Mm. And then it's not so much the points as much as the confidence as well. You know, Liverpool have had a few boosts. You know, Mahrez missing the penalty, their last-minute winner against Everton. You know, they've had a few boosts and if they were to get another one and City were to have another setback, then there's a lot of confidence. So it, it still wouldn't be over at 10 points. And even with all the, the confidence going in two different directions because there's a long time to go, but uh, you wouldn't wouldn't fancy it too much from a City point of view so it's don't lose basically obviously, obviously no other team will play for a draw but don't lose and City can still win it of course obviously that was going to be my Thursday. question for yeah that was my question for Steve um, looking ahead to the Liverpool game bouncing the Southampton one um, are we in a are we have we lost our heads a little bit too quickly just in the sense that the reality is they have to come to us next week. And as good as they are, we are also a very good team, like we showed at, uh, at Anfield. And everything could look really different if we beat Liverpool next week. <laughs> no, uh, everything, could look, <laughs> everything could look really different in the other way as well. Um, you know, City have got to go to Southampton. Southampton are full of confidence right now under a new manager. They're playing fantastic football. They're a club revitalised. And City have got to go there. And if Liverpool win against Arsenal and City lose against Southampton and then City lose against Liverpool, then you're looking at 13 points and the title race is over. It's done. Even so, I would accept at 13 points it's done. Yeah. So And that is in seven days' time. That's an entirely plausible scenario playing out that in seven days' time the title race is over. So this is it now. This next week is everything. Now, I appreciate that in reality it's not and there are still months to go and I appreciate that some people have more long-term kind of, you know, looking at it than I do. But for me, personally, I don't give a shit about Arsenal and go to Anfield this weekend. It's irrelevant for me. Mm. City have to beat Southampton. They must get three points at Southampton. And that is, given how we're playing right now and given how kind of... um, little confidence we have that is a huge ask now if we do manage that then i disagree with sam i you know prior to the weekend i thought it was a must not lose against liverpool now i've come to think it's it's a must win and if we do then it's four points four points in january it's open it's wide open anything can happen let's not forget of course as well if we do get three points against liverpool we've took away their unbeaten spell which as we've discussed in previous pods, I believe personally, you know, a good percentage of what's driving Liverpool on right now is momentum. Um, and if you Definitely. just pull the handbrake, just pull a handbrake up on him and just, you know, add some pressure onto him and see how they cope with that, then we'll see. Uh, and also, of course, it'd be nice if they had, you know, at risk of being a Paul Pogba here, it'd be nice if he had a, an injury or two, nothing serious, but, you know, just see how they cope minus Salah or, or kind of Van Dyke for a month. Mm. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm diverting here for me it's Southampton it's not even Liverpool anymore it's Southampton it gets my 100% focus we must get the three points at St Mary's and that is a huge ask right now so Lloyd um, to wrap this up the way that Steve's just put Steve's just put this on the table for me you'd think that Guardiola's going in today and he's going right two cup finals basically you have to win the next two games because if you don't win the next two games everything is over in terms of the title race so Lloyd do we have the quality and the ability to do this from the form that we're currently in or do you feel where, where do you where do you land on this I've seen a lot of people last night say forget it we ain't we ain't winning either of those games never mind Liverpool we ain't beating Southampton where do you stand on this? Has Guardiola got got it within him? Can you give me some hope here, lad? Of course, of course. <laughs> no, of course, of course. I mean, you know, sometimes a defeat can spur you on, and we've seen last season that actually, okay, we haven't, we didn't really have a period like this where we lost three in four last season, but we we reacted well to defeats last season. I mean, after the the Liverpool, actually, no, I suppose the Liverpool period last season was a bit like this. After that. You know, we went, I think, nine wins before we lost that mad game to the United. 
And just look at, you know, I know they're a completely different team, but look at Everton last week, got battered 6-2 by, um, by Spurs, turned it around, smashed Burnley 5-1. So, so you know, some, it's very easy. If you start the game well, you get an early goal, players are up, you know, the crowd's up, completely, it can, it can change like that. Um, the, the two points I want to make are, firstly, what we've just said about City in terms of our big players being off it and eventually it'll come to count when you have a few guys out you can't keep going that's going to happen to Liverpool they've been really lucky with injuries this season but the problem is we need to put ourselves in a position whereby when it does happen we can take advantage of it because at the moment because we've lost three of our last four and we've lost to the likes of Palace and Leicester the margins for us now are tighter in that we're going to have to beat Chelsea we're going to have to beat Arsenal we're probably going to have to you know get a point against Spurs we're going to have to beat United which is difficult, but it's doable, and we did it last season. I think the problem with the Liverpool game now for me is whilst we are seven points behind, and I expect hopefully that will remain the case by the time we play them, it's not a must-not win in terms of in terms of points because, of course, at this stage of the season, it can never be really, even if it goes to ten. But I do think it is it is a must-win psychologically because I think we can't a bit like them with us last season. We can't rely on other people to, to punch them. We've got to be the ones that psychologically damage them because so far, no one else has done it. So we, uh, we can't rely on Arsenal doing it this weekend. We need to be the one that inflicts that big, that big result. And if that happens, they could definitely wobble. And if they get a couple of injuries, you know what's happened in the last month to us could definitely happen to them. But that's why I think more than anything, given how they've played against us in the last kind of 18 months, psychologically, we need to, we need to do it. Wonderful. Right. On that note, I'm wrapping this up. Sam Lee, thank you very much. Cheers, lads. Lloyd, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Steve, thank you very much. Pleasure, mate. To everybody who's listened and managed to get to the end of this podcast, well done. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> um, have a lovely Christmas period. Um, we'll be back with a review of the uh, Southampton game. We'll also do a Friday show on Friday as well to preview that Southampton game and maybe take stock again. Um, In the meantime, be safe, be well, and as always, up the blues.